Hey everyone, Jonathan McKinnis here with the Purpose and Performance Podcast, where we're going to talk about topics that will motivate and inspire and help you tap into your purpose and improve your performance in life and in business. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, Jonathan McKinnis here with the Purpose and Performance Podcast, and I am just excited to have two very special guests with me, Vanessa uh, Corman Smith mm-hmm. yep. and Steve Smith, yep. and uh, they are uh, just leaders in the industry in the in the I guess the real estate industry, but they're also um, people that I've well, I know Steve specifically that I've connected with on a more personal level on some of the things that he does as a husband um, as a uh, leader in his company as a manager. And uh, Vanessa, I want to learn a lot more about you as well, because I remember when I first got into the mortgage business, um, I think you were kind of getting into the real estate business with um, your your father, Steve okay. Corman. Sure. And you may not even remember, but I was calling on all these different <laughs> new real estate agents, and I know that I'd called on you at one point too. Okay. And so um, I know that you've been um, well-versed in a lot of the same things, and um, and I've listened to your podcast with uh, Kyle O'Connor, mm-hmm. the South Bend Beat. And it was an awesome podcast. This is, I'd say, more like a part two podcast. Um, but what I really wanted to do is dig into the fact that you both are very uh, driven and successful in some of the things that you do and the endeavors that you've had in your career. I'm going to let you talk about that a little bit. But um, also uh, feeling out how can I be a better father, husband, wife, uh, mother, how can I be a better spouse? How can I keep balance? And I don't even know if that word balance is, is a true good word to use. I'm not sure. Some people don't even like to use the word balance, but how do we use balance in our life? Um, I, uh, I'm going to keep talking for a moment, but uh, I was in uh, Key West just recently and I just got back and that's where um, Ernest Hemingway is famous for, you know, living there for years. And, and uh, he was just this great author and man, they just, he, he was this adventurer and explorer and uh, I was kind of studying his life a little bit when I went into his old house. And one of the things that struck me was that he, from our point of view, if you don't know him on a personal level, you would say, man, he was a man that had so much success and he was a great man, a great author. Even presidents talked about him and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so influential. But yet he had four marriages. He had yeah, um, he led kind of a tragic life. Didn't he lived he? a yeah. tragic life. Mm-hmm. He committed suicide. Mm-hmm. He had... Uh, it, one historian said that he was in his children's life for a very short period of time with his first spouse, and then he wasn't there for for extended periods. So he wasn't necessarily um, that well-rounded person that you know I would probably gravitate to. But uh, man, he's got some good books that he's written. So <laughs> I think there's more to it than just maybe what we see on the outside. And so that's why I really want to talk about is what we can do to stay balanced and to stay successful in all areas of our life. And so first, I'd like Vanessa, if you can just sort of introduce yourself, kind of tell us your uh, a quick uh, history of you, and sure. then we'll jump to Steve, and then we'll get into kind of being uh, what it means to be a better family person and a, and a well-rounded person. So go ahead. Awesome. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, Well, like you said, my name is Vanessa Corman-Smith, and Stephen and I, together with my father, own Irish Realty. And um, 
our family real estate business actually has been around in different form um, for many years. So I grew up in a real estate business. Uh, we were the developers of several neighborhoods under the um, name of Corman Neighborhoods. And I actually sold real estate um, for my dad's real estate company before Stephen even joined the business and so forth. And then in 2008, I actually left real estate and started Flourish Boutique. Mm-hmm. And I did that for eight years. And then um, and really enjoyed it. I still have a passion for it, still miss it in a lot of ways. Um, but at that point we went from having an only child to having a second child and we knew we wanted to even try for more. And we had this kind of growing, um, empire in the real estate company. Mm -hmm. And I felt called, um, to kind of take the pressure off of having two businesses, um, of our family so that I could focus more on our family and kind of give Steven, he had always, really invested and sewn into me and flourish. So I felt pressure, um, to take, to do the same for him. I shouldn't say pressure. It was a joy, but like, (laughs) but it was just a season, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. I felt called to do that. So, um, so I followed that call and closed flourish in 2016, took some time, um, just kind of we built a house in that time, took some time just bonding with my babies. And mm-hmm. um, then over time, there was a need for staging. So I started doing some design work and staging. And that has blossomed into a kind of partner business that we call Design to Flourish. Mm-hmm. So we kind of kept that brand name going. It. And it's kind of the sister company to Irish Realty now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do all of the um, selections for new construction projects. And we stage homes, you know, regular listings, mm-hmm. um, new construction models things like that so and then I'm involved in the real estate business too so um and I'm a mom (laughs) you've got got, wear many hats yes I do but I think it's nice that you've got that complimentary part of the business now so it sort of flows well I think that's a good thing so very good yeah awesome and Steve go ahead and just kind of share a little bit of your background and then uh, we'll get into the, the meat of it all Yep. So my parents are originally from Georgia. They moved up here in the 1970s so my dad could go to the University of Notre Dame, work on a PhD in biology. And so I did not grow up in a business family. And um, I was born in the early 80s up here. And um, Vanessa and I met in junior high school and dated through much of junior high and high school and uh, went to different colleges, but stayed together, got married. And uh I was going to go get a PhD in chemistry at the University of Notre Dame. And Vanessa went to work in real estate while I was contemplating doing that. And I hated my research my senior year. I was just miserable. And so her dad suggested that I take an interest test. And when I did that, it suggested that I should either be in human resources or sales. And I was just dumbfounded. I had been in a fraternity in college, and a lot of my fraternity brothers took business classes. And, and just the idea of business as a career or as a, yeah. something you study in college is just so foreign to me. Yeah. Uh, but but her father uh, really saw in me some some potential and and nurtured that. And so um, I picked up my real estate license. Uh, because she was going to be working real estate, mm-hmm. and and I took a job for one year in a chemical company, and then I transitioned into real estate in 2005 and was a model-based sales agent in the Notre Dame market, and uh, 14 years has flown by now, and uh, a lot of a lot of fun things got in before the recession, 
then trying to survive in real estate through the Great Recession was was quite a challenge. It was interesting. And yeah. that's, <laughs> that's where uh, my faith life was really, really rekindled yeah. Uh, yeah. in a big way through that hardship. I dedicated my business to the Lord, felt like he was calling me to mm-hmm. be in real estate. And he gave me kind of a rich vision, vision for being a, a steward of housing in our community rather yes. than just being a realtor. And so uh, I had an assistant for the first six years of my business, but in 2011, it was just me and times were tough. And from there, the Lord really built our business back up. And now Mm -hmm. we have um, 15 employees on my team and Vanessa has several and we're Mm -hmm. making three or four more new hires here this spring to Mm -hmm. prepare for a lot of the opportunities that lie ahead of us. So we've had a lot of growth and with growth comes challenges, especially for your family life. It does. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good transition then. So uh, we're going to talk about a team a little bit too, because I know managing a team and managing a group, because you, I think Mm -hmm. Vanessa on your last podcast that I listened to, you actually have three people in your team. Is that right? I have, well, including myself. So I have two employees. And of course there's other people that you work alongside, but um, having a team of whether it's only a team of three or a team Mm -hmm. of 15, it doesn't matter. You're still, when you're managing people, it's a tough thing, but managing your family, um, that's another level. And so if you guys can sort of get into how, cause this is a struggle for me. So I want you guys to help me out. So, um, being as successful as you are and being as, I don't even like to use the word driven, but I guess for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, being as driven as we you are, are, we own it, right? You own it, right? <laughs> being driven. Yeah. Um, so how do you, feel, how do you get rid of that feeling of sometimes guilt when you feel like, you know what, I've, I am driven, I'm doing the right things, but I also feel like there's another side of me that maybe I'm neglecting as a a parent or as a husband or as a wife. Is there, do you ever go through that? And what would you say you do to kind of combat that? Well, we definitely do. Um, and when you say struggle, I think, um, we struggle with it too. I think there's seasons where we feel more in control of it than others, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, I think I think to the word struggle doesn't have to be negative because to struggle is also kind of like the word wrestle, you know, like yeah. to wrestle with something. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you're struggling with it, Jonathan, just shows that you're a great dad and yeah. a great husband because um, it means that you're thinking about it, you're wrestling yeah. with it, you know, and you're probably having conversations with God about it and yeah. so forth. And so um, I think it's when you let that ambition just take over so much that you don't even think about it, you yeah. know, and it become you become so single minded that you don't um, try and pull back and and maintain some sort of balance, even though balance is somewhat of a myth. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think struggling or wrestling with it is actually a good sign. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, and I would I would say I, I actually am a fan of the word balance. I know that people know, are I'm, all I'm over the map on that yeah. too. But, <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, we, we do have all these different roles and these different hats. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a son. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a business owner. And then there's all, my own personal uh, ambitions. I'm a, I'm a son of God and, and that calling there as well. So I have to balance all these different things. And, you know, some of that guilt is helpful, right? You know what I mean? It's there to let you know when, hey, something is out of balance here. Conviction more than guilt, right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. the guilt piece is not helpful at all. In fact, uh, I've been working on some weight loss and health Mm because we're trying to improve that in our lives so that we can be sustainable on this long race that we're we're looking to run here. And um, my nurse practitioner who's administering this program that I'm in right now says that there's really no place for guilt whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just 
make decisions, make choices, right. own those, find that balance. That that guilt wastes so much of our time and energy trying to process that and deal with that, and um, that's not necessary. But as we're trying to balance all that stuff, you know, I can remember. I'll, I'll tell a quick personal story. I can remember when Vanessa was talking to me about overworking. And, um, one day my son had set out, this is oh. kind of tough, but I'm going to share it anyways, cause it's important. My son had set out all stations. these stations in our yard. He's saying <laughs> a baseball station and a football station yeah. and, and whatever, and all this stuff in this kind of like little Olympics or whatever. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm going to be home at six o'clock. And then I called at seven you know, seven was like, nah, it's going to be closer to seven thirty, And it was, it was in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So the light was out pretty long, but eventually Vanessa said to our son, Christian, Hey, I don't know when dad's going to be home, but like, as it's getting darker, like eventually we're gonna have to call this thing. Right. Yeah. So he was just, she took a video mm-hmm. from inside our home mm-hmm. of him just looking down the street with longing, yeah. hoping that I would come home. Mm-hmm. And I got home at like, 9 30 or something yeah. like that it was dark i had, I had called him at, in yeah yeah and so she had told him nope you're gonna have to come in and she played that video for me and it was to this day just very very painful yeah. but so helpful to realize but i didn't mean it i i didn't mean it to be mean i did no, it of purposefully because you don't sometimes when you are so ambitious you don't realize what's happening on yeah. the other side you yes. know it's important because no one would watch a video of your son crying and waiting for you and not you know, yeah. make it make hit home or whatever. So, um, I do think it was kind of like a turning point. So. Yeah, no, that's 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 very powerful. So, did you you felt like that was something that okay? Well, I still carry I, that with me. Yeah. I mean, it was just huge. And and so realizing that everything, every moment of the day, everything that you're doing or not doing, you're making a choice. Mm-hmm. And so, in choosing to overwork, mm-hmm. I was choosing to not be there for my son, and that wasn't obvious to me. It felt like my clients needed me and I was choosing to serve them. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it felt like I was doing a good thing and how could I let my clients down, but not serving them. But once I saw that, it was just so obvious. It's like, Oh no. And that's one of the reasons that building a team became imminent. Mm -hmm. It became really clear that, Hey, I have too much work on my plate. And so I either need to bring on people to share this work or I need to learn to say no, something that I'm not very good at. Right. And find this space where, hey, I should be able to work a 40 or a 50 or, you know, whatever hour week mm-hmm. and do good work during that time. And this is like 60. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> whatever that is, though, I should be able to work a reasonable amount of time. And one of the things I learned early in my career is the work is never done. It's never done. Not even close. You know what I mean? You can make a, a to-do list and only hit right. 20% of it. No doubt. But you have to get to a point where you can have a boundary. And I think one of the really, really helpful strategies, I'll just deliver one of the things I think has been most helpful as a solution is having some boundaries. And so now, you know, I I do a lot of time blocking in my schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an important strategy for me. I basically have 15 client appointment slots throughout the week. And that helps me then prioritize, hey, is is this meeting worthy of taking up one of these 15 slots? Yes yes or no. Can someone else handle it? You know, these kinds of things. But then when I go to these appointments, I now build in some time on either side of them. So I'm less late and trying yeah. to overpack things in. I could be more present to people in those appointments. And then when I get home, though, when I get from done with that last appointment, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right. And so 
I know a lot of realtors and people out there are checking their phone yeah. all evening long. They're hawking emails or whatever. And I used to be really caught up in that mm-hmm. race as well. And sometimes you have to be. You might have a deadline that's, right. we got to get a response in by midnight or this, that, and the other thing. And by building a team, we're able to share that load and try to to balance that out. And even in the early iterations of building the team, we would blow up an employee, yeah, right? We would burn them out. Yeah, you, you just <laughs> yeah. really grind them down, right? Because you didn't spread that workload appropriately. So now we spend a lot of time for both ourselves and our team members really looking at people's workloads and trying to make sure that they're more balanced and that, hey, yeah, yeah let's make sure that they have a reasonable amount of work that can be done in a reasonable time frame so that they can leave it Right. And go home and, and be present and to their be, family. Be present. Be present. Yeah, not just be home and on <laughs> yeah. the phone the whole time. Yeah. Be present. Leave this behind. Yeah. And go we have that. to encourage them too, because it is an, a kind of an addictive job, I feel like. There's mm-hmm. always more work that you can do. And so we actually have to remind and encourage them to, you know, set those same boundaries in their life as far as yeah. you know shutting the phone off and so forth. I I agree. I think you remind them that you want them to take that time with their family. Mm -hmm. And um, I think for me, um, and I think maybe I I just, I don't know if I grew up this way, but I feel like sometimes maybe the American ideal is that it's honorable. It's an honorable thing to do to work hard, hard. Mm -hmm. And it is honorable. Um, But sometimes we have this mentality. It's it's so honorable that that everything else needs to go to the wayside. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't believe for me it's honorable. It's actually dishonorable for me when I show up. Like you were saying, like if your child is waiting for you, and I'm not calling you a dishonorable person. No, 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 right. No, I'm speaking speaking for myself. I mean, that's something. Some of the things where I say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be home by." If I say I'm going to try to be home by 6.30, then that means maybe more like 7 or 7.30. And that's not very honorable of me. And uh, there's something that needs to change, I think, in, in a lot of people that are very successful because I think that is the struggle. It's just like that Ernest Hemingway thing. I mean, you can be successful in a lot of areas, but you can still be um, not miserable like he was necessarily, but you can you can really neglect a lot of other areas of our, of our life. And so, Vanessa, what would you say? What would be maybe a couple ideas for people that, that are listening that – they are driven, man. They are successful. They're doing really well, but they know that they're going to be the victim of their success. So mm-hmm. how can they, um, I know having a team is, is so important for mm-hmm. me too, but what would you speak to when it, when it comes to that? Um, well, I think quality of time versus quantity of time is something that we, um, talk about quite a bit in our family. So for example, um, for about eight years now, we have had a standing date night, um, once a week. Mm-hmm. And that is huge. Um, you know, it's just a time to reconnect. And I honestly, I feel like the whole week is more fun looking forward to date night because mm-hmm. we enjoy it so much. Um, and it is sacred. Like people give us a hard time <laughs> about not, yeah. you know, like my mom and dad will be like, you want to, uh, even though we've done it for eight years, they're like, you want to go out to dinner tonight? And we're like, no, it's our date night, you know? But, and but wait, can you guys watch the kids? Do you understand? <laughs> <that>? <laughs> They're awesome about that. So no complaints, but, (laughs) but no, it's just, I think people don't understand how, why we're so committed to it. And I think, you know, we have such a busy life that honestly, the few times where we do miss it because of, you know, like a kid is sick or, Mm -hmm. um, someone had to travel for work or something like that. 
we will find that there's missing information that the other person didn't pass from one to the other, you know, yeah. because by the time we get home and we do dinner and homework with our oldest son and then bedtime rituals and so forth, we kind of fall into bed asleep, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so that date night is this important chance for us to sit down and like, be like, wow, did you hear that, um, you know, this cousin is doing this or this, co- this family's having a baby that we know or just kind of that general knowledge that you share as husband and wife. And that's an important reconnection, um, time. So, and then with the kiddos, same thing, you know, having dedicated time with them, like Steven every Saturday morning takes the kids and takes them to do something fun. Like even if it's just McDonald's play place or something like that. So he has dedicated time with them and I have dedicated time with them. And, um, and then a lot of times on Sunday night, we get together with both of our parents. Um, Mm -hmm. we're blessed because Steven's mom has really kind of, we've all become, become a big family with my parents too. It's like we're one big extended family. So, um, like last night we had dinner all together. So we have kind of like these segments of we're making sure we're covering these bases with Mm -hmm. dedicated quality time. So, Absolutely. So you have touch points. I love the idea of what you said, looking forward to it. I Mm -hmm. think that's important because some marriages get stale because there's, there's like no, there's nothing to look forward to. It's just monotonous. But if you have, even though it is a routine or a pattern, Mm -hmm. when you've got the date night, you're right. You're looking forward to that. There's Mm -hmm. something to look forward to. Like when you plan vacations, kids are looking forward to when you're planning a trip or you're planning something, it's something that uh, in your psyche, it changes where Mm -hmm. you're looking forward to something. And I love the idea of of having that. And then of course, reconnecting as well. Um, Steve, what would you, uh, you have anything you want to add to that uh, when it comes to those things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would, I would say that as it relates to all of the things we've been talking about so far, the word pace um, is, is an important thing that, you know, kind of the realization when you're ambitious, that this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of that you can grow too fast or you can push too hard And when an athlete pushes too hard, they injure themselves and then actually sets them back further. The same is true of your business and Mm -hmm. the same can be true of your relationships. And so the date night that we have standing each week, that's an important, you know, kind of a pacing thing where, yeah, we got this rhythm. We're going to have this space to look forward to and reconnect, you know, having scheduled work times, scheduled down times. And then of course you always have too much work on your plate. Mm -hmm. And so um, by planning, by pacing, you have the ability to continuously recheck your priorities and you know what you really are going to be able to do because you're constantly adding more to your plate than you can possibly do. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to kind of to check that down. Um, but talking talking more about family stuff again too. Um, you know, like one example, it's important to your life needs to be appropriate. You know what I mean? For what's realistic. So you have to be realistic about it. And so for example, our oldest son used to be engaged in travel soccer Mm -hmm. through junior Irish and he wasn't going to be a superstar in soccer. He was really a recreational soccer player. And so when we found out that we were going to be traveling Saturday and Sunday, X number of weekends a year, we're like, Oh, this is like yeah. way out of balance with what's yes. possible in our life. Yeah. And it, there's some pressure and some, you know, oh, I'm not going to be a good parent if I pull my kid out of travel soccer. Yeah. I'm not giving him all the opportunities that he could have. Guess what? Eight weeks a year of MSA soccer where he's kicking a ball and having fun. 
was just right, you know, for him. And so, and again, if he was going to play division one soccer, if this was going to be an important part of his life, sure. But he wasn't going to be. And so it made more sense to bring that in line. Now there's more space for other kids to do other things, more space for us to just have downtime, right? Be present with each Just other. Just be present. I'm glad you bring up travel sports because I can probably, I could probably <laughs> uh, rub some people some wrong here because I'm one that's like, there's a lot of friends of mine that they're in travel, a lot of travel um, sport. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much it now. It's like a lot of the little leagues are starting to dwindle because everyone's mm-hmm. in travel um, baseball. Well, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like Steven said, yeah. like some of the other kids on those teams, those were future collegiate yeah. athletes. Yeah, you know, the, they should invest like that yeah but yeah soccer was just something fun for christian yeah i agree so that's that's my point is that you know finding uh, their niche or not forcing any uh, anything on a child i think is important for me because i'm i've got a, um, my kids play baseball right now my two sons and uh, one of them and they both are kind of telling me that i don't know if i really want to play baseball much this year and I'm thinking, are they too young to make that decision mm. or, or not? And so um, I, well, my response to them is that's fine. I mean, you're not, they're not in travel. They're just in, at a Little League, at Harris Little League. And um, I said, well, we have to figure out something else to, to have you try out at least so that there's still a, a something where I'm sort of pushing them, mm-hmm. but I'm not putting them into this, like you were saying, in, into something that maybe they, they shouldn't be in or – that's just going to grind on the family. That's not really helping your, your balance, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, do you guys, well, how do you treat your, uh, I mean, how old are your kids now? You, you have three children, right? Right. So Christian is 13 13, and Theron is three, three. and Gabby is 10 months, 10 months. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so, um, you've got a kind of a spectrum. So yep. let's say we're talking about the 13 year old now. Cause my kid, um, Nathan, he's my oldest, he's 10, going to okay. be 11 this summer. And so uh, you've got a teenager now. Mm-hmm. And so w- what what are the expectations that you feel as a young parent? Because we're kind of in that same, we're, we're young. We don't know what all I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're talking to other young parents that would be listening to this. So, you know, you've got a teenager. Um, you know, how do you handle their their mood swings, their expectations, kind of the things that they go through um, where you feel like you're being you're being as valuable as possible, but also you're also being a good parent. You know what I mean? You're being a friend, not necessarily a friend, but just you're being a parent. So what would be your uh, advice to people that, that have children and you're, they're just struggling with those expectations? That's a good question. Cause I, again, going back to the wrestling, I think we yeah. wrestle with that a lot. Yeah. Um, he, Christian, um, has definitely, um, is definitely at that stage that you're talking about as far mm-hmm. as mood swings and, yeah. you know, just figuring things out with friends and kind of figuring out what he's passionate about and so forth. So, um, basically we've just kind of taken it in stride that it's a season of investment in him. Investment, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, and what I mean by that is in the same way that investing is kind of, you know, not necessarily fun when you're saving money and you don't get to go spend it right away, but you, you know, you're in it for the long haul. I think a lot of what we're doing with Christian right now is investing. And that doesn't mean that we don't do fun things. We go to Lego movie too, or, you know, stuff like that. But there are definitely things that we're doing right now that he thinks are horrible that we're, you know, that are just absolutely horrible, whether it's braces or we have him with a tutor right now. Um, on and on we've no, done no a bunch. phone during the yeah week. no phone yeah. during the week all sorts of things like that that we consider right and good but they're an investment in the long term and I even I tell him that you yeah. know I tell I don't just do things without um, explaining 
why I'm doing them. So I tell them all the time, I'm like, I know that you don't think it's, it's cool that you have tutoring every day after school, but you know, mom sees how this will help you in this grade for Trinity. He goes to Trinity school at Greenland. Um, and you know, I try and explain like, I know you don't like the braces right now, but someday you're going to thank me. And I I guess that's probably pretty cliche for parents, but yeah. I think that's true. No, that's where, I mean, I know Steve, we talked about this, I mean, off uh, the air before just talking about communication. And sometimes we communicate with our business partners or our spouse, but then we don't really have real clear communication with our children, like mm-hmm. setting those expectations for them. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that you always, uh, when I have to discipline my children, I'm always wanting to, and it hurts when I have to discipline them sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then I'll go back and I'll let them know here is what the lesson is. Mm-hmm. So let them know why. And I think right. that's very important. So what would you say, maybe uh, Steve, your top, maybe two or three um, pointers or tips that you would say just quick tips for a, you know, you got a parent, they just pull it out of their, their little notepad out of their pocket. Okay. Steve said, do this, do this and this. <laughs> what do you think that would be? <laughs> I, I'll definitely give you one that comes right to the top of my head. And that's okay. when we were taking Theron home from the hospital, there was a little class that we took and, and the, the lady who was a great trainer over at St. Joe hospital, this is a shout out to you. I don't even know your name, but you killed it on this one. <laughs> nice. she, she said, she said, you know, she was talking to new parents and she said, well, you take this baby home if the baby is screaming and crying and you've you know, tried to feed it and change its diaper and do those other things and you're at your wit's end, put the child down and walk away for a few minutes and, and let them cry. And then she, then she finished it with, because I've never heard of a baby dying from crying. Hmm. And I said, oh my gosh, that's such a great that's test, powerful. right? So, so when, you're, when you're looking at your teenager and you're saying, hey, and they're like really giving you a hard time about wanting to use their phone, you just ask yourself, are they going to die if I take this phone away? And the answer becomes so crystal clear that they're not going to die or be harmed in any, (laughs) in any actual way. Right. Right. There will be no harm by taking this away. I'm going to take your phone away for two months. Yeah. What? You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, Nope, they're not going to die. You know what I mean? They're not going to be harmed in any actual way, but that's actually going to create some space where we can work on these other things. And so, you know, with our oldest son, he's a, he's a really, really good kid. Um, but, there, a good heart. but there was a time where we found that he was so into whether it was Fortnite or yeah. Pokemon or something that he was really into that he would just crowd out all of his relationships with his family and other yeah. people. Yeah. And he was like Gollum, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was just like, so literally in, yeah. in that, that's a very good description of it. We literally had to take that that thing away My from precious. him. Yeah. We had to create yeah, space. Right. Yes. And when we did, and we sat down and said, I said, I'm going to take this away from our month because you need yeah. some space to let these other things grow. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just crazy. And that's hard to do. I mean, and literally, I was maybe a little frustrated at the moment that I delivered yeah. the message, but I still knew it was the right call. I remember Vanessa and her mom looking at me like, Whoa. dang, a month? Wow. Like, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know what? and necessary because there's some things that will kill him or destroy his life or harm his life. Mm -hmm. If we don't fix this, Yeah, he's can always have more time to learn the phone and be, you know, savvy with that. Mm -hmm. Man, that's so true. That's probably one of the main struggles. I think that the, our generation has now with our children, it's the, the, just the major distractions. I mean, it's, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and that was, that um, our phones can be this huge tool of how great things can be and how you can, you know, help time block with it. And you've got everything on your phone and it's just so, it's just a great thing. It's a great resource, but yet can also be a detriment. And I think that's where our, our children 
Um, I mean, they don't know anything different than an iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. my kids, that's mm-hmm. all. I mean, they don't, they grew up with an iPhone and, and we didn't, uh, thankfully I didn't. So, I mean, we kind of can go from both perspectives a little bit. It's kind of crazy, right. you know, right. we're like, mm-hmm. we're young and we can say, well, back when I was younger and we didn't have iPhones, you know, they're like, really? You know, so, um, how can, um, how can you kind of transitioning balance the, the benefit of technology as a parent or as a business owner um, and uh, some of the detriments that people have? And what would you say the biggest uh, pointers you can give? And then we'll wrap it up here in just a few minutes. Um, well, so, I mean, really the phone can be just as dangerous for us as it can a teenager, right? Yeah. So um, I do know for a family in general, and this can work for parents. And I preface this by admitting that I haven't, I bought it, but I haven't implemented it yet, but I've heard good things about the, um, tool called circle by Disney. Okay. Um, and so it's something that you literally, um, plug in some with your router, I think. Mm-hmm. And it actually, you can turn it all off at once. Like everyone's internet access and it tracks, oh. you can, you know, prevent children from going to certain sites or apps, and then you can track time usage and all sorts of things. So, um, like I said, I bought it, I haven't implemented it yet, but I plan to, so I've heard good things, but, um, kind of more at a philosophical, that's the practical level, more at yeah. a philosophical level. Um, I think that it's important to, um, not let the phone, um, just become part of like what fulfills you. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten to the point sometimes where I'm so like addicted to it yeah. that, you know, it's almost like, well, I'm going to log on to, I'm bored. I'm going to log on to Facebook. I'm going to log on to Instagram and I will go down a rabbit hole of, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. checking things out. And it really, um, can be a game of comparison without you even realizing it. Um, right. and so, I know everyone's familiar with this term now, but it really is the highlight reel of everyone's lives, you know, and it's so important to just, um, let your identity, um, not be created in the phone, you know, is your, like, you shouldn't start comparing your marriage to what this beautiful picture of another couple, you know, is on their second honeymoon or something, right? right? Like that's, that's an amazing moment for them, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that your everyday moment at home with your spouse is any less than. Um, and so I think keeping your identity separate from your phone and, and thinking of it truly as a tool and, Mm -hmm. and not an extension of yourself is important. So it's, it's having a mental shift, you know, is the biggest thing. And I'm the same way. I mean, it's the, those endorphins that go off. I Mm -hmm. mean, and my wife was just saying it when we were waiting in the airport, uh, the other day, uh, just yesterday, just got back in and uh, we had all these delays. And, you know, what is when I look around the airport and I look at myself, I'm like everybody else. Everybody is sitting there waiting and they're scrolling, all scrolling, on. They're scrolling, scrolling. They're not doing anything that's useful. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it is. Maybe they're reading a book. Sure. I don't know. But um, a lot of times it is. It's it's um, it's, it's it's an addiction. We go to that as an extension mm-hmm. of ourselves to receive a little fulfillment mm-hmm. or feel like you're doing something important when you're not. And so, mm-hmm. Steve, what would you say to that? Yeah, I'm uh, not a big social media guy, so I yeah. use it. I use it in business, but I really don't have time for it in yeah. my personal life, and uh, I don't. I don't feel bad about that because I. I just I leave it all You're on better the, off without it. I leave it all on the field at work, and and so we we leverage that socially. But Vanessa keeps me up because she's definitely in the social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All that I mean, stuff. it has helped me build flourish. And then it helped me build, um, I, the Steve Smith team of Irish Realty. I was really instrumental in helping us have a social media presence there too. So 
unfortunately, when you use it as a tool in business, you're on it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. hard to, like you said, you know, it's it's hard to sometimes separate out the benefits from yeah. from the bad things. But that's one, a good point. one thing I'm unequivocally sure about is that technology is not evil. Yeah, right? that's true. You know, yeah. it, it's this it's an amoral thing. It is a wonderful thing. Right. Healthcare, it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. Communication, it's wonderful. Pictures of your pictures, family. Pictures, digital, yeah. take a video and pictures to oh. FaceTime yeah, with a family. I mean, that. it's just it's just incredible the things that technology can do. You can deposit your check with just a snap of <laughs> Exactly. I love that. Too. I mean, technology is a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah. But it has happened so fast in our society, too, that there's all these other wonderful things that were built over hundreds and thousands of years yeah. that were very, very beneficial. Communities, churches, mm-hmm. neighborhoods. And these things are are being challenged and being threatened by the devices and, yeah. and how quickly they can meet needs and different things like that. And so we really need to embrace technology and just continue to love it. Yeah. But also seek out these other things that have been tried and true for years and years and years. And I think some of the ways that we do that is by setting boundaries. And so when we come home at night, we put that technology away, right? Mm-hmm. And don't don't check that phone. Leave it, leave it on your night. Oh my gosh, leave it on your nightstand for 12 hours. That's yeah, mm-hmm. do it. And <laughs> and guess what? The world won't end. Mm-hmm. Vanessa's dad recently um, was thinking, oh, I can't go on vacation. He's 63 years old. He's financially secure, you know, and he's like, I can't go to, to Florida for two weeks. And we're like, too busy. <laughs> you totally can. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just by definition, you can. And he ended up getting his nose out of joint because Vanessa and, and uh, his wife went anyways yeah. without him. And it yeah. was really, really a good thing. And so he then he hopped on a plane and went down there. And sure, when he got back, you you pay for it. You know yeah, what I mean? There right. was there was things. But man. That was so important to take that time. And and some of our greatest innovations and leaps forward in our business have come after taking long vacations, two-week vacations, you know. And when you rest up and rejuvenate, you get clarity about things because you spend Mm -hmm. so much time on that treadmill of just doing all your daily chores yeah. and whatever, you you don't get that perspective. Man, mm-hmm. when you put that all down, yeah. you're like, okay, these things that I'm doing are really important. These other things I thought were important, but they're not as important yeah. as these things, you yeah. know what I mean? And so and new ideas. New ideas yeah. emerge. Absolutely. I mean mm-hmm. recenter. Yeah. Conversation. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's so. really good. Well man, uh I, I didn't realize it, but we're already at like 37 minutes. We're doing good. <laughs> I'm gonna tell Kyle that hey I'm I'm a pretty good conversationalist, buddy. So I'm uh, not quite as good as Kyle O'Connor, I'll tell you. But uh, but let me tell you this: um, you guys are awesome. Um, I think you guys are great leaders in in um, d- different respects in our uh, community. And so there's going to be a lot of people that want to know what your definition of success is. Okay, so I want to finish with that because there's a lot of people that are striving for success in their life, and each one of us may have our own different version of success. And so uh, whoever wants to go first, what is your your definition of of success and um, in this stage or this season of your life right now? I'll jump on that first. So when I think of success, uh, one thing that comes to mind is kind of like your bucket list and also like your legacy. So, it's, okay, when my life is done and I go back and, and meet my creator, what what will I want to have accomplished or will I want my legacy to be uh, on this earth? And so I look at my bucket list and some of the things that are on there are like I, I want to have a 50-year marriage with my wife. And so I, I look at other people who've celebrated 50 years of marriage and I look at the impact 
of having a marriage stay together for 50 years and what mm-hmm. that does for the children and the grandchildren. And I look at the comparison, right, mm-hmm. of, of situations where that doesn't happen. And I'm not ragging on people who've been divorced yeah. or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. But I just, I look out there and I say, man, you know what I mean? Like this really has a big impact on the world when people can find a way to stay together and work through these challenges. Right. And so that's, that's on my bucket list. Um, my dad died when I was 12 and 500 and some people came to his funeral. Hmm. I want to have a funeral where I beat my dad. And that doesn't just mean (laughs) it doesn't just always a competitor. (laughs) 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 And it doesn't just mean, you know, why were there 500 people there? Because those people told stories about ways in which my dad loved and served them and helped them and poured poured into them. And it's like, man, that's, that's quite a legacy to impact Mm -hmm. that many people. How can I do that? That same thing. And so another, another definition for success for me, and this is related to my prayer life. uh, I get pretty busy between three kids and marriage and sleep and trying to work out and be healthy and, and stay up on it all. One of the things that uh, tends to get pushed to the side sometimes is my daily prayer life. And so in order to try to be successful in that area, you know, I, we, we say God's number one in my life and then my marriage is number two and then my kids, but then our time should really stack up with that. Right. And if, if God's your boss and your CEO, would you, would you blow off an appointment with your boss? Right. Right. You yeah. know, so we talk about that appointment with God and how important it is. So one of my definitions for success is, uh, it was a successful day if I prayed. Yeah. And so that might mean I crushed some incredible deals or did mm-hmm. some other stuff, but if I didn't pray, mm-hmm. yeah. mm, that doesn't measure up to my definition yes. of what success is because mm. God says you can do nothing apart from me. And if you believe that, mm-hmm. then what you did where <laughs> you didn't take him with you or you weren't synced up with him, yeah. maybe you weren't mm-hmm. maybe you weren't doing what you should have been doing or could have been doing, or he could have been a part of right. what was going on there. So <laughs> these things are are important. So success is uh is about family and it's about impact in our world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to hear what my wife has to say. Oh. Yeah. And I think you use, and I'll definitely say what mine is, but I think to your testament, Stephen, you use your career as a tool for that legacy. Like, um, because our careers are a big part of our identity, you know, so to say that they're not part of our success would be wrong. You know, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be true. So I think, I think you use, like when you talk about being a steward of housing in our community and so forth, it's really about the people, you know, and and about the impact you make with the people. So anyways, that's a good point. But, um, as far as my definition of success, at least in this season, I would use two words, kind of um, the word excellence and the word um, maximizing potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's really like I've recently changed careers in a sense, right. as far yeah. as being a boutique owner um, to then shifting to being an interior designer and involved in the real estate company. And I've had to wrestle with um, my identity and how that changed during that shift mm-hmm. and so forth. And what I found is, is that if you bring excellence to whatever you're doing, that it, that in and of itself is so satisfying regardless mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Right. Um, and that's true at home and that's true in a marriage and that's true, um, you know, with friendships and obviously with work. Um, and so that's basically something that I think about all the time is, yeah. am I doing this with excellence? And, um, mm, when I'm good. staging houses, 
I struggle. Like if I just see that one little thing is off center, it's like, I can't walk away from it. And Mm -hmm. you could say it's a perfectionist, but I guess it just comes down to, um, excellence. I have to go back and rehang the painting or whatever. And, and so I I try and bring that same excellence into these other arenas of my life. And so that kind of branches off into the word potential. Um, I realized recently and this is obvious but no one none of us get out of here alive right right that's true <laughs> and um <laughs> and i realized there's all these things in my mind that i thought over the course of my life i'll do that someday i'll do that someday yeah. you know like i'll learn another language or i'll read that book someday yeah. or um i'll travel someday or mm-hmm. things like that and i realized well time's a ticking you yeah. know and um so i've recently and it's it's slow going because my life is very full, but I've recently started thinking like, I want to learn more. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm not done learning. You know, mm-hmm. like I, when we finished school, I was kind of burned out and I didn't want to read like valuable books. I just wanted to read like fun books for yeah. a while. And that was good. That was mm-hmm. a season. I needed a break, mm-hmm. but now it's like, I'm wanting to learn history again yeah. and learn, um, learn more about personality types and like understand my own personality type and my children's personality types and like our one son our three-year-old suffers with anxiety and so Mm -hmm. I've been reading about that and talking to a therapist about that and Mm -hmm. trying new strategies and it's it's not satisfactory to me to just like discipline him and just you know I'm trying to adapt my parenting style to bring out the best in him and stuff and learn about what he's suffering mm-hmm. with, you know? Um, so basically learning more and pushing myself, like Stephen mentioned, working out, I've recently added, we've both been working out for about six weeks straight. And that's something that always sounded good, but I just didn't go for that full potential, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just really trying yeah. <laughs> while yeah. still trying to keep the balance, but, um, yep. but yeah, just trying to both be excellent in the things that we take on and push ourselves to, uh, yeah. achieve more potential. Feeling like you can, um, when, you know, when the day is over, you can look back and say, you know, um, you know, I, I think that I, I, I tried, mm-hmm. I did yep. what I should, I should have done. Right. I responded you know, the way that I should have responded. And like you said, I've done everything in excellence. I mm-hmm. think ex- that's actually one of my, when people ask me, what are your top three values? Mm-hmm. Um, excellence is uh, one of my top three values. I want to yeah. do things excellently. So yeah. I, I can totally um, uh, relate. Well, because so. it covers everything. You know, if you uh, if you aspire to it, it will start impacting every area of your life. So Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And so that's good, man. That's good. I could talk so, so much longer. I've got so many other questions, but uh, I think at this point, uh, uh, people will probably start... Um, tuning me out so i'm gonna go ahead and finish it <laughs> off but man i just want to thank you guys for being here um i i listened to your podcast with kyle um on south bend beat and i thought you guys did just awesome and uh, just having this part two and learning a little bit more about you know the the idea of of managing our balance our, our life and, and business and personal life a little bit more i think it's, it's so important to me and so i thank you guys for being on thank you appreciate Jonathan. it and um, everybody, if you guys, um, if this is your first time listening, please uh, subscribe, please share, please um, rate us if you can. I would appreciate that. So Purpose and Performance Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.